Welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. I am Pastor Plex, recording live from Austin, Texas, and in studio with me is Pastor Joe, the three. Hey, what's going on? Man, so glad you're here, bro. I'm glad to be here on this morning. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning is pastoring, and um, we're in the process of church, we're sending out church planters, uh, which you may or may not be one of those uh, in the very near future. Uh, but we are sending out James Foster in the very near future. And so that's going to be an exciting thing uh, for our church to really embark upon. But one of the things that that, uh, that I've been really wrestling with <clears throat> is um, hiring the next pastor at our church. And I want us to talk about what it takes to be a pastor mm-hmm. and uh, specifically what we're looking for when it comes to a pastor. Now, um, for me, I break it down to four C's. All right, so I've got calling. Mm -hmm. Like, how has God called you into the ministry? Character, like, what does it look like for you uh, to have actual biblical character so that when someone isn't watching or directly supervising you, you're still doing the right thing? Uh, competency, are you able to do the handle the Word of God, the Word of Truth, in a competent manner to be ready in season and out to answer anyone who uh, asks for the reason of the hope that you have? So that's kind of an apologetic standpoint, but also in a pure relational standpoint, a Colossians 4 uh, mindset of being knowing how to answer, uh, waiting for the appropriate time to speak into situations. And uh, as pastors, we're called to do ministry 24-7. And so just being able to have a competency for time boundaries and all that. And then finally, uh, chemistry, getting along with other people well on staff, in the community, in the church, all that. So that's where I wanted to take us. uh, And so I just wanted to talk to Pastor Joe here, just essentially looking at uh, who you are and what makes you a fit at our church, but any church really, and what we're looking for as we are really searching out for the next pastor to come on board for whatever uh, position it is. I think another that 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 sometimes can be irrelevant. So let's go to calling. Calling. Yes. Calling. So Pastor Joe, talk us about your calling uh, at, to be a full time ministry person. Uh, what did that look like for you uh, specifically? Um, I've been in ministry, I would say, I don't know that it's ever not been full time, okay. but where I got paid for it and they were like, this sure. is what I want you to do. Uh, I like the way you put that because I, this might be part of the, not part of the problem. I don't want to call it a problem. I think if you think you're only going to do ministry, if you get paid for it, mm-hmm. gosh, that's, this is going to sound so, I don't know what the right, there's something missing, right? Yeah. It, it's kind of like. I don't want to say it's like uh, like a Steph Curry. He probably played basketball for free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he gets paid for it is a blessing. Now he gets paid a lot of money. <laughs> now in pastoring, it's not like you get to be a, a world famous basketball player who gets to NBA championships, uh, like they they hand him out at the store. But uh, rather, it is a a calling. It's a sacrificial thing that is going to be you're going to be doing either way. And I think. Um, I think that's a big part of it. So yeah. talk to me what that means to be to not be in full-time ministry but to be a full-time minister. Yeah. So I think when I so Sierra and I got married back in 2005, moved to San Antonio, we started working for this or going to this church mm. and eventually uh they hired I say hired on but I wasn't getting paid. Uh <laughs> they they brought me on to be their youth pastor. 
uh, at one of their locations, and I, I was just doing it. I, yeah. I've, I had never thought about getting paid for ministry. I'm like, this is what you do. Right. You just go, you volunteer, you work, you put in the time. And I, so I, I've never, growing up, I never thought I could get paid to do this. I mm. thought I'd have my teacher job mm-hmm. or whatever job I was going to do. And for me, it's just I, f- I couldn't go to church because I've always said, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to relax. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to just enjoy Sundays. I'm going to get in whatever the Bible studies or community group, whatever the church yeah. has, and I'm not going to do anything. But then I sit down. I'm like, man, I could be doing this. I, it's this feeling in me where, and for me, that calling is I can't just sit down when I huh. go. I can't not do anything when I go. Yeah, I I totally resonate with that. Like it's always been like that for me. My wife knows that. She we've gone to new new churches and she's like, "Okay, this time we're going to just sit down <laughs> and we're not going to do nothing." And the, after the first Sunday, she's like, "All right, I need to sign up for something. Like yeah. I need to go do something." I just don't feel right not working for the and not just it, it's the church but even outside of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, but for me when I walk into a Sunday, I'm like, "How can I enhance the service that much more?" Mm-hmm. Or, or what can I bring to the table? I'm not mm-hmm. looking just to receive. Yes, I want to enjoy the sermons and the worship and everything else, but I want to help create this atmosphere where people can hear God's truth, where people can worship and stuff. So for me, that calling is, is like I can't help, but and not, I can't not sit down, or or I can't sit down and just not do anything. Right. I love that. I, I think I when I was in the military uh, and I got saved, I started going to church, and. I, you know, in the military, as an officer, you're working 60, 70 hours standard. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I was involved in every church thing I could possibly be at because I absolutely loved it. And I think part of me, the calling became very real. When other guys in the military, other officers, they were re- reading field manuals. Like, they're like, you know, how to be a better infantry officer, how to how to conduct a raid better, how to conduct an ambush better, room clearing, building clearing. And I, w- I could do those things and I and enjoyed them to a point, but I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about when's the next Bible study I can lead? When's the next time I can have a whole a prayer meeting or or do something to further the gospel? And I, and, um, I think in, to an extent, everybody is called to, to do that. And so whether, and I don't want to take away from people that are not in full-time ministry because I totally felt like I was in, in a sense, full-time ministry, even though I wasn't getting paid for it Mm -hmm. because it was just who I was and who I am. And so, and I felt really honored to be able to fund the ministry of the church with, you know, tithing and giving and all that. So that was a really, uh, I think, an exciting part of my life. And then being a part of the, the church now, I, I, you know, I wake every up every day with a song in my heart, no matter how hard it is, because it is so awesome. I, I it's a get to every day to wake up to come and uh, make my whole life about making disciples. And so I think one of the things that I, I challenge people that are thinking about ministry is don't. And I, and I always say this, and I, and I probably say it in a way that doesn't make sense. Uh, but what I say is, if you can do anything else. Go do that. And what I mean by that is if you could be satisfied working a job in finance, working a job as a, as a, um, in corporate America, as anything else, as a military officer, as a police officer, if you could find satisfaction doing anything else, do that. And the reason why I'd say do that is because we need Christians uh, that are in corporate America. We need Christians who are doctors. We need Christians that are nurses. We need Christians that are 
um, construction management guys. We need we need uh, guys that are swinging hammers to be Christians. So mm-hmm. because you'll you'll have greater access to people that are lost and don't know Jesus than anybody. And and yeah. I, I and and so teachers, you name the profession, we need Christians who are doing that. In fact, one of the things I was challenged. When I first felt like this desire to go in the ministry, uh, pastor said, Chris, we need good army officers that believe in Jesus. And I was like, I know that. And I love that idea. But all I can think about, I think I've become almost a detriment to the, now, I don't know if that's really true, but I wasn't thinking about the next field training exercise. I wasn't, and although I was, I think when we were going to combat, I was like prepping, I was you know, room clearing over and over and over and over again till the wee hours of the morning till people had it beaten to their heads. But that wasn't what brought me joy. I never got tired. When I think about doing Bible studies, when I think about leading people to Christ, it's something that I could do and never get tired and never be poor. Meaning mm-hmm. like, I don't care what you pay me. I don't care what I'm doing. Now, obviously, you know, I have a family and that's beyond that. But in my single days, it was like just a different world. Okay, all that to say, um, that's how I really sort of felt like a calling. It's because I couldn't do anything else and give my full heart to it because I was always thinking about my full heart going towards more ministry opportunities. Does that make sense? Yeah, it didn't, like you said, I mean, it doesn't f- feel like work. And so I, right. I get lost in it where you, I can be up here 10 hours. Yeah. I can have conversations with 10 people in one day and think, oh man, it's already the end of the day and things like that. Like I, I get, ju- that doesn't, yeah. I don't lose energy from right. that. No, so in fact, um, before my wife started working here, she'd be like, what do you do all day? And I would try to explain it and it sounds like you just have fun. And I'm like, <laughs> and here I am slaving away at the, with the children and these screaming kids and what do you do? You're just having lunch meetings all day. And it's not quite <laughs> like that. And now that Adrian's on staff, she recognizes that She's like, okay, you know, I didn't get it for the first eight years, but now that I've been on staff for for a year and change, uh, it is different mm-hmm. uh, seeing what you actually do. It is work, but it's you have a lot of fun doing. It. I said exactly. That's why I feel like I'm in my calling, and I don't know if everybody gets to live out their calling. Yeah, I don't, I don't think everyone does. And I, I and so I and I don't want to make this be like wah wah sorry it's you know sucks to be you that that's not my intent in saying that uh, I do feel like that <clears throat> and why do I get to live my calling and you have to slave away at some awful job I don't know um, I did there were moments in the military you know in thirty degree nights and just it was a beating and I'd be like Ugh, this is awful but uh now i get to do what god's called me to do i always say and this is might have nothing to it you do what you have to do when you're young so you can do what you want to do when you're older and that's something i try and put into my kids over and over but i feel like what happens for a lot of people the one of the reasons or something that maybe prevents us from doing ministry or 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 getting to live out our calling is that we put ourselves in a bind by not making a really great decisions early on and so then those decisions have consequences that prevent you from from going to uh, live out uh, a ministry life. Yeah. So anyway, all right, that's the first thing. So calling. So there's a specific calling in my life. I remember, and I don't know if you had anything like this, uh, Joe, is that whenever I was going from, when I was going from Fort Bragg, North Carolina to Fort Benning, Georgia, I heard a louder than audible voice. So it was just, you know, just like you call it a feeling, whatever it was. It was just like, I knew it. 
I knew I need to leave the military and go in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and what that meant was go to seminary. And so I started directing my faith and my prayer that direction off of that one experience in the car. Now, it was a Holy Spirit-inspired moment. I did obviously run it by scripture. I was qualified as a person that could go into the ministry. And then also at the same time, uh, I asked people that were around me of the local church and they all affirmed it. Uh, my family thought I was insane, but they were not exactly like, loving Jesus was not a top priority for their lives. So that was what it was for me. So when for you, when you think about making the shift from, uh, let's call it uh, full-time ministry to vocational full-time ministry, yes. what was that shift like for you? Um, the shift, well, the shift, the first time I was ever told I was supposed to do ministry was my mom telling me that, hey, when you was in my womb in mm. Germany, someone touched my bed and said, you have a preacher in your mm. stomach. Oh, wow. Uh, somebody prophesied over and said, Hey, this. And so she told, she's told me that over the years. And it, and I've always felt different. Like, eh, okay. Yeah. I can see myself doing that. But, I, but I knew at 17, I was supposed to do this for wow. the rest of my life. Uh, now I didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. And so going from the, the full time to vocational full time, I, that shift for me was, it was conversation with, you and myself, mm-hmm. we were walking and on some trail the first time we ever just kind of went on one of our walkabouts talking and you was like, hey, I would love for you to come on staff. And I was like, to like do this, do this, like that's it? Like, yeah, to do this, do this, that's it kind of thing. And and I prayed about it and uh, there was an op- there was other doors that was opening during mm-hmm. the same season. It was like, hmm, I can do this or I can do that. And and you've talked about it. it's not like you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's like, hey, when you get to do something that you've that you're mm-hmm. called to do, it, that finances isn't what you're looking at. Especially right. when God's called you to do, it, it's like right. I'll take care of you. And and yep. so I heard God say, I know this isn't the amount of money that you want to make, you desire to make. I know that this is less than what you could make. And and He said, but I will take care of you. I, I said, I'll it. trust you. And and so I ran with it. Man, that's, that's it, it's powerful, and and now to sort of see you on a path to uh, plant a church, it gets me really uh, pumped and excited to see kind of how that will all unfold. All right, so let's talk about character. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's the second thing that I kind of when I place into when I think about when I'm actually interviewing uh, pastoral candidates, um, I want to know what their life is like, uh, and it kind of goes with calling a little bit. Uh, I want to know what their life is like with the Lord mm-hmm. away from a have to. Gosh, what's the right way to put that? Be- because, you know, there's no like, you know, no one's going to check on your spiritual personal life other than like, hey, how's that going? Are you having a rich devotional time? And we can ask like, what's God teaching your word? But ultimately you could, you know, whenever we have the, our lead pastor update briefs, you could essentially just Google something right at that moment, and and I go, so what's God been teaching? You're like, Meh, here's something, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. And, and but what? But for me, when one of the questions I ask men all the time that are looking to be pastors is, tell me what your devotional life is like on the regular. And one of the probably the most important things about it that I I've seen or experienced or seen is is what you're doing reproducible. Yeah. Um. And what I mean by that is is your time with the Lord. Could you train somebody if you were, if you led someone to Christ and they go well what do I do now and you say well here's what I do do what I do you re, you know and mine would be read a chapter of the Bible every day uh, have a prayer list of people you go through and then listen to the Lord to speak to you that's it and and if you put that on repeat over time it's going to transform you from dark to light so 
that's the, that's just my own personal. What for you, when, Joe, is when it, when you look at your own devotional life, how talking about your devotional life and like somebody listening, mm-hmm. they're like, I want to go into ministry. Um, talk to them about your what your devotional life looks like or what you think someone's life sort of needs to look like to really sustain over the long haul and why probably be a cool proximity to god is important just like you said mm-hmm. so uh waking up early getting it done is great for me that doesn't always happen especially in the season that i'm oh. i'm in with the baby so you're like, oh. yeah. you know, like because i mean you got babies you got screaming got it's and so I do my best to do it that way, but uh, I'm blessed to where I stay 20 minutes away from the church. And so those those are oftentimes a lot of my quiet time uh, where I'm just praying mm-hmm. or it can be that. So I, I love to get up in the morning. So what it, what it would look like on the perfect week when Alexander the Great slept through the night is me getting up between 4.30 and 5, mm. similar to yours. Mm. I'd go walk, run the dog. And during that time, I'm just praying. There's no music. There's yeah. nothing. That's just like my prayer walk. Uh, and so that's about a couple miles. And so that can be anywhere from, you know, 15 to 30 minutes yep. worth of prayer. Then when I come back, uh, I'm reading my Bible. Then I, there's this moment of reflection that you talk about where, okay, God speak to me. What yeah. do you, what do you want to say? And so it's similar to yours. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I may be walking or working sure. out or something like that. And so I, I think having proximity to God is important. And the only way you can be uh, close to him is through time, time in the word, time mm-hmm. in prayer, time just listening to him. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is there will be a time where you're in ministry where you're like, eh, I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. Right. And and God tells me, that's cool. You don't want to do this, but what did I call you to do? Right. Exactly. No, <laughs> and, exactly. And so, and so if you don't have that type of relationship with God, then it's easy to walk away. It's easy to say, you know what? I hear you, but this is too hard. My family needs this. I need that. And so when we're when we're close, there's those moments where we know, oh, we can go do something else, and it wouldn't be as much of a headache. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't be as the, the flexible may not be the schedule may not be as flexible, but we can do other things, and we know we'll have these days off. We know we'll have holidays. We know that we won't have to worry about late night calls or <laughs> certain things like that, and text messages and things. Right. Every everyone's emergency now becomes not necessarily priority, but hey, we want to help you out. Right. We're here to serve, and we're servants, and that's what we do. And so, so you have to be close to God to understand. That, hey, he's called me to do this. And so the character of it is I have to have my quiet times. Because if I don't have my quiet times, then I'm going to respond to you in the way that I want to when I have God called me. And and I think this is where people um, get burnt out. Yes. Uh, So, gosh, in in ministry, there I don't want to say there is no burnout because that makes it sound like, you know, I don't know, some impossible standard. But there shouldn't be burnout because... You've got to put your oxygen mask on, meaning you've got to have time with Jesus, and then he fills your cup so that you can pour it out. Mm-hmm. And so it, you feel. I think the reason why people feel burnt out is because they don't have enough time with Jesus, and so therefore they're looking what everybody else is doing, and then they're getting angry that somebody else isn't performing at a certain level. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, as opposed to asking God to fill me up, to pour out with whatever you've called me to do. I think in general, it happens to people, especially when you when you move from um, ministry as a volunteer and like um, 
it's something you get to do as something now you have to do because yeah. you're getting paid for it is you've you've you start looking around and going why aren't you and why aren't you and why aren't you as opposed to man god has given me energy and a, and a body and the ability and i'm going to do what god has called me to do and not worry so much about what god what god is not doing through other people or what other people are not lifting up does that make sense yeah because I feel like that's what happens for people when they get burnt out is that they they start they start going to comparison mode and I think this happens with volunteers but I think it happens with um, uh, pastors or ministry full time ministry people is that you stop looking at what God's called you to do in a sense you stop working for the Lord and you start working for men and that's Colossians three twenty three. You should be working heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing it's the Lord Christ you are serving. And I think that's the part where I think people really, really struggle, and their character gets challenged um, because they'll start getting resentful of people and opportunities, uh, and they're like, I did all this, and how come God... And we forget that the Lord is in control of all people. The Lord yeah. is in control. Like, this, this is secular, sacred, whatever world you're in. Like, if you have a bad boss... In general, you don't have to worry about it because in time they're going to get moved out or God will move you out. And I know that's a little bit, you're like, no, Chris, it doesn't work like that all the time. But but ultimately, if, if God hears you and and he, has, he is in heaven, it, either you have a bad boss or maybe you're a bad employee. I think that that's the part where we don't ever take that into consideration. And so if you're working for someone that's been, you know, they might not be a believer, they might not have... Uh, understanding of who God is, but God is in control of that person. So whenever you work for that person, you're working for the Lord, not for men. And that's ultimately going to be the strength that uh, allows you to continue in your vocation, whether that's ministry or whether that's secular. So I I feel like that's the, uh, talking to guys in seminary, they can get confused on a devotional life with, with God and seminary study. Because when you're studying the Bible, you would think you're studying the Bible all day long. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, well, I mean, you're studying the Bible all day long. Of course you're doing real good Bible study, devotional. But um, you know this, I know this, but studying the Bible can be academic and not be transformative. Yes. Yeah, and one of the things I, I really enjoy you talking about is like the strength you operate from, mm-hmm. especially when you talk about burnout. If you think about... They're usually at the end of a workout, for me, sometimes I have a burnout set. The mm. goal is to go as, as far as I can go, as much as I can yeah. go, push it as many times as I can until I can't push it anymore. Right. Burnout set. Like, I go till fatigue. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Right? Likewise, a lot of people, when you're operating your own strength when it comes to ministry, it doesn't matter, like you said, lay workers, yeah, yeah. full-time ministry, when you're operating from your strength, you'll eventually burn out. Absolutely. And so if you don't have that relationship, if you're not pulling from the strength of God on your jobs, if it's like, hey, well, I got to do this, like, like if you're not doing it like you're working for the Lord who gives you your strength to work for the Lord, mm-hmm. then you'll eventually burn out. And so we, we, we do have to have that relationship and that personal time and all that kind of all those things you, you listed because we're operating in the strength of God. And that's what keeps us going through those through that adversity, when times get hard, when times get rough, when you're like, I want to quit, and God tells you, but I got you. And you're like, okay, God, I will keep going because I know you got me. Yes. Um, I, I think the verse that's coming up for me as you're you're saying all this is Colossians 129. Mm-hmm. For this I told, so him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the work of ministry. For this I toil, work, struggling with all 
his energy that works power that he works that he powerfully works within me. So that I, I love that just reality that we're working in the strength of God. But if I don't have if I don't have a connection, a, a proximity, and a intimacy with God, it's it's almost impossible for Him to work through me with his energy and I end mm-hmm. up working on my energy and I might, I might even present someone mature in Christ, but I become weak and I can snap off and break. I think that's, I think yeah. what we're, we're talking about here. Yeah. And, and you, you've said it before when you're, when you're doing what God has called you to do, you're not going to burn out. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't take breaks or right. vacations. And I don't want people to, to miss that. You mm-hmm. go 24 seven right. every day. What? No, that uh, part of that, like you said, but you find your rest in God. Yeah. And, and I love it when you say he, he fills you up to right. pour out into others. He fills you up, you pour out another. So there's, there is this time where you get away, and that may look like a vacation. Of right. course, when you have your family and different things like that, you have to take care and be be mindful of that. But again, that proximity to him will show you how to discern, hey, I need to take a few days and go hang out with my family. We're going on vacation, different things like that. But that quiet time, again, he's the center. We've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but if he's at the center, he'll tell you how to operate and maneuver through everything else around you. Okay, so here's the next part of character yeah. that I think, it's. I think that's like the work side, so legalistic side. I don't know if this is even the right way to put this. But there's also a licentious side of your character. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, so for example, there are a lot of people that have a hard time with the truth. And here, mm-hmm. here's what I mean by that. Um, I'm late for a meeting. I'm meeting, uh-huh. um, I'm about to meet with you, and, I, and it's just because I flat out, right, I didn't value you enough because the meeting I had before took too much time and I couldn't cut it off. I didn't have enough strength, courage, boundary, whatever to get out of that meeting to come to the next meeting or I didn't plan my time well enough that I'd be late and I can't own that. So I make up something like, oh, there was this crazy accident on the road. And you you know what I mean? And so what happens is we become loose with the truth and that's a character issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's also something that I think happens with people is that when they don't have a confidence in the Lord, and I think I always keep going back to this, we therefore have to be approved by men. So we're not working for the Lord anymore. We're working for a man or a person's approval. And so the truth can slip uh, because we're worried about the way we're coming off to someone. And I don't know if you've experienced that oh, yeah. just with, with people. For sure. You know, coming well, it's, you. it's like you said, I mean, you said that the goal is to, hey, I, I don't want you to be upset or I want to make mm-hmm. sure I impress you or whatever it may be. So you, you'll say those things like, hey, well, you know, I was late because or just small things. Right. And, and there's so many different things ways or reasons people but yeah i've definitely experienced and the lying and lying approval it's it's the seeking approval but it can happen and here's what happens with with pastors you you'll make up little white lies with someone you're meeting with and next thing you know you're making up white lies to your wife to explain why you're home late because you had a meeting and again it all goes back to i had an improper boundary that i wasn't able to sustain and therefore i've taken away from you the one i care about to give to the ministry and nobody ever wants to admit that, right? I think that's the part where it's hard to go, yeah, I actually didn't value enough. And I, and it's almost where you say, oh, man, this, the crisis was so bad and it was so awful or the traffic or the whatever. I think there's a tendency in everybody to kind of go there. But what character sort of demands, I don't want to say demands, but it demands. What character demands in ministry is that you, you're able to own your own weaknesses mm-hmm. and failures and then just be like, yeah, um, I'm late because I went over with this person. 
and I and I think that that's hard to do um, with a spouse. It's hard to do with your kids. It's hard to do with another person in that's a lay person who thinks that their time is the most valuable thing in the world, and they're coming to you in a point of crisis. And so they're like, "How could you be late? I need you." Yeah. And sort of really wrestling with that, it brings out all of the sort sort of people pleasing that you might have to kind of be there for that person and it's a, it's a really difficult thing yeah. to kind of hold you, the truth. And you said the people pleasing and and how you use the loose with the truth where you don't even know that you're you're yeah. you're doing it. Right. You don't realize that it's like, well, it's that because white, a white yeah. lie doesn't. I mean, who's it going to hurt? Yeah. It's going to make this person feel better. There was an accident on the road. They're going to feel like they were valued. I'm going to show up on, at a little bit late. No big deal. We're all be able to give them the full effort that time. And then when I don't give them the full hour or whatever I committed to, that's okay. I'm moving on to the next meeting, and it's fine. And I, and I think part of that is that with. I mean, just the proximity. God plays yeah. a part. Proximity to other people. Mm-hmm. Where there's relationship, where he's like, "Hey, I'll understand if you're late. Just tell me you're late." Right. Or, and, and being bold and confidence and confident and uh. You know, be bold when you say something. Right. Uh, you know, mean what you say when you do say it, but don't be mean when you say it. And I think delivery, of course, when yeah. it comes to things like that is important for sure. Right. But, and the other, I think here's another part of character is like uh, one of the things is that I like look for or expect is that a person that is a Christian, they're working for the Lord, not for men. So therefore, they're not going to half-ass anything. And because I, I think what happens, I think too, is, you know, if it's good enough for the government, it's good enough for whatever, you know, it's good enough for the gospel. It's kind of, we go with a good enough sort of mentality. And it's not that we shouldn't, you know, try things new and, and just kind of, and our, um, excellence may not be quite to where it should be uh, or it needs to be, but we're, we started it and we're going to improve it. We're going to try it. But I think it comes with a heart issue. This is one of the things that with your, you know, my own children, I'm like, I don't really care how you perform on the field. I just want to know that you gave it your all. I, I think that's where people, uh, when they don't feel like they're, uh, what's the right word for it? Like, I'm not getting the credit. I'm not, the, the approvalness of the, I'm not receiving enough approval. I'm not receiving enough. And so therefore I'm not going to, we go transactional on it and that takes us away from working for the Lord, but working for men. Yeah. I have a shirt. Somebody bought me a shirt not too long ago. that says I rebuke the bare minimum. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, talk and about it. that. Just this idea. I was the first time I saw it, I was like, huh? Okay. But it's those where, Hey, this is, this is, it's not just the going the extra mile, it's that second mile. Mm, like what does that mm, look like for us as mm. as believers? And when you talk about the character, it's like, yeah, this is enough. This is a this is a standard, but what is the standard that God calls us to? Mm. And of course, the standard that God calls us to is always going to be higher. And and not like you talked about your kids and yep. and things like that. Like, yes, I I love that your teacher says that this is standard, or or society right. says that this is standard. But this is what God has called us exactly. To. And and, oh, and it's it should it should supersede. It should be hard. It should be out of your own personal reach when you talk about character. And this is why all the other things we talked about your time with God mm-hmm. is like you can't reach your standard without God. Right. And I, I feel like in a lot of it is people. People in ministry are are usually really good in the moment dealing with people. They're just not really good at planning. And the, mm-hmm. then they use the excuse of, well, I'm just really waiting on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And what what you're saying is the Holy Spirit is just irresponsible with like planning and likes to do the things last second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality mm-hmm. is, like, did you know the Holy Spirit can be involved in all your planning? And so you can plan a service, you can plan an event, yeah. you can plan all that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that God could could move and change things at that moment. But what I think happens is that we, um, out of our, out of laziness, don't 
put in the full effort for things, and then we don't actually think about it. And so therefore, the Holy Spirit, we're sort of relying on the Holy Spirit as a Hail Mary, as opposed to uh, actually yeah, being the, involved in the ministry. Yeah, the order. But when you say that, yeah, I'm going to let the Spirit move, that that doesn't mean it has to be disorganized. It doesn't nice. mean there wasn't planning and and you know, well, there's so much structure. The Holy the Holy Spirit can have structure. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love yeah. that. Now, now I do think there is time time to make room for the Holy Spirit. But th- like for me, I make specific time where I'm like, okay, God, I need you to. S- I don't need you to speak because I you could be silent if you want, God. But I I'm providing elements of my day just to hear from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so that I'm making room in my heart, my head, and my faith for him to walk and interrupt and do things. Because there, I, I think I've mentioned a couple times, like uh, at least in sermons and stuff, where um, I'm allowing myself to be interrupted. Um, yes. And that becomes one of the most powerful ministry experiences. Mm-hmm. You're just like, wow, like the Lord used that. He did that. Um, so anyway, so that's the character. Let's, let's go on to um, the next piece of this, which is competency. Now, competency is one where <clears throat> this is really challenging because it's usually you you measure competency with like numbers, <laughs> you know, like that. That's, but it's some things in ministry are hard to quantify, like your ability to have a relationship with somebody, yeah, you, uh, your ability to communicate in a way that is uh, winsome, disarming, uh, at the same time uncompromising. Yes, uh, and and so your competency of how to handle the word of truth, um, without offending everybody where they don't need to be offended. Like I I will say the gospel offends every culture everywhere. So you should have some experience of offense, but your personality, your ministry uh, experience should allow that person to sort of almost forgive the offense because they have such great relationship with you. Now, there are times where when you preach the gospel, it it creates creates division and I get that. Uh, But when I look at the gospel, even King Herod, even though he couldn't stand John the Baptist, he highly respected him and didn't want to put him to death uh, because there was something about what he was saying that was really convicting, and he liked to go and listen to him. Now, his wife wanted to kill him, and eventually that happened. But I do feel like, so I feel like there is something to uh, preaching the word of God, uh, having knowing how to speak to outsiders, Colossians 4. Uh, being being very wise with your words, so you may know how to answer everyone. Mm-hmm. Let let's talk about competency of scripture understanding, a theological know how, um, but at the same time being relevant to the person that's in front of you in ministry context, whether it's speaking to <clears throat> a crowd, to a specific gathering, to a community group, or to discipleship one on one. Yeah, I know one of the first things. First class, probably first second class that I took at DTS, they always say uh, not just to exegete the word, exegete culture. Right. Uh, and it's what you're talking about, how to know your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to my uncle last week, and he's a pastor and a professor and all these different things. And he said, he told me, he said, it's, it's one thing to be able to speak to the people uh and bring them with you at their level and he used the swimming pool analogy but you can swim in four feet mm-hmm. he said teaching the word relate making it relatable understanding them spending time with them he said but as a preacher someone in ministry you need to be able to sweep uh swim in 12 feet too 
And that, that kind of thing you talk about where when somebody comes with a question, you should be able to answer it. You should be able to right. respond to it. The second Timothy that talks about being confident and, uh, just a lot of different places where, hey, be equipped, present yourself, uh, to guys want to prove a worker who is not ashamed, like rightly handling his word, like all these different things where it's, it's telling us to be confident and it's telling us to do the work, equipping ourselves, meaning there's some practice, there's some know-how. Again, it goes back to the things we talked about with time with God, like the devotional time. Right. He, he grows you there, but there is that academic part where you, you go deeper into it. And so how do we get as, 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 pastors as people who are presenting this word we have to spend time with the lord we have to spend time in the word we have to study and so yes there's that time where we're reaching out we're connecting and we're connecting with people building relationships but there's also that that building a relationship with god also equips us to do these works that you're talking about and so i i do believe that it's important for us like sundays are great and not saying that sundays are you know, baby pool and we're swimming in four feet and things like that always because we do go deep. But there's also the aspect that we should be able to uh, go into 12 feet. We should go be able to go deep. This is good. I, deep I, dive. I, yeah. The verse that, that's kind of screaming at me right now is, but in your hearts, honor Christ. This is First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And, yes, and when I when I first read this, I think it is meaning towards the lost, but I think there's reality that's also to the saved, that, that Christians are going to have questions about how am I supposed to respond to the culture, in which is why this is what Pastor Plex podcast is all about. How am I supposed to respond to the culture when it comes to shootings? What what's the response? You know, like is do I you know or do Christians just take a Republican uh, standpoint and you know guns for everybody, or is it more of a Democrat perspective? No guns for anybody. Like what is what is what is the Christian response? And I think being able to respond to that, and I'm not going to answer that question, by the way. Uh, and and uh, I, I want people to, to kind of really wrestle with that because you've got to have a reason for the hope you have. And your, and your reason might be, that's not a gospel issue. Yeah. And, and I'm going to direct you back to, to Jesus because yeah. at some point, some things you can have in either way, but just make sure the re- your reason is based on scripture and not based on your political party. Yeah. Um. And for me, I think of Second Timothy three, mm-hmm. seventeen, that the man of God be made, the man of God may be confident, and this right here for me, equipped for right. every good work, and and that if you're equipped, that means you you have the tools mm-hmm. right there, and 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 that's one of the things that you you've said over the past five years, like hey that. It's one thing to be able to just talk surface level, but being equipped is when you're going, you're able to go deep into it. Right. And that's one of the things you have pushed, push, push, <laughs> push, push. Uh, and so I look, I mean, that's, that's, that's important. It yeah. is important because one, it allows you to not really ever have to worry about, uh, how do you put it? You say your doctrine, your, you know what you believe. Yeah. You, and your back isn't, you're not in the corner. Your back is against the wall. You're able to articulate. Uh, the gospel, you're able to articulate the word of God in right. a manner that that if you're talking to another professor right. or if you're talking to someone who's just off the, st- the street, Joe right. Schmo, who doesn't know, who's never heard, it's like right. you're able to feed it to them in a way that is palatable for them. And right. so when you, the more time you spend with it, the more time you become comfortable, the e- not necessarily it gets easier, but you're equipped to where it's like, oh, this person here. And so when you put yourself in a certain situation, it doesn't matter if it's a black, white, Hispanic. Mm, it doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor. It doesn't matter if they're from Austin or Boston. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're, you're, it's, it's, it's so real to you. Yeah. 
Um, if you spend so much time to it, it doesn't matter. You're just able to have conversations. I and- love it. Yeah, for the for me, I, I what I'm I think of is just Second Timothy four two. Preach the word. Be be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, yeah. rebuke, and exhort. And I love this part with complete patience mm-hmm. and teaching. For the time is coming when people will will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. For you always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And what I love about that is, especially with the advent of YouTube, you can find anything you want to hear. Whatever you want to tickle your ears, whatever is easiest for you to digest, whatever like you're longing for, you'll hear a self-help gospel, you'll hear a... uh, uh, over legalistic gospel, you'll hear a whatever gospel you want to That's hear, true. you will hear it because it's available and you don't have to even leave your house. You can just Google it and you, you take a stream to this, to the next thing, to the next thing, and next thing you know, you're way down a rabbit hole into some sort of cult world. All right. That's, that's the reality. And so that's why as a pastor, your job is to sort of rebuke and exhort and have complete patience. And this is the part that's hard to have as a pastor. And this is where most pastors just lose their minds. Like church would be great if it weren't for the people. <laughs> you know, it's like you go there. Because you have to be patient with people because if they don't have questions, that, that means they're not thinking for themselves. Yes. And so we can't get upset when someone asks us a question, we, <clears throat> even if it's the same question over and over again. I, and mm. this is where, for me, I, I can get to the place where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just went over this over and over. But no, this is the part where I need to have complete patience and, and continue to, to teach because there will come a time when people will not endure sound teaching. They're going to go, they could go way conservative, they'll go way um progressive they will move out of the the doctrine of what Christ is and instead of, instead of looking for a uh Christ culture they'll look for a culture that offers for them what they feel is what they their itching ears need okay that's competency yeah let's talk about um chemistry and how what it takes to be on a staff um and, and, you know, it, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Classic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk about what have you seen even here and beyond, the good, bad, the ugly. Of what, what is what is good teamwork look like? What's not so good teamwork look like? And how how can you know? And this is the part where I'm just really restless as I, I'm looking to bring someone else on, on staff. How do you know if a person has chemistry um, with other people on staff? I mean... Well, bringing so it's hard when you're bringing someone on staff because yeah. it's you know because they they can change the culture can, by they, their very personality. Yeah, and so that that's one of the hardest things when you bring someone on staff and and working for a church and working anywhere else is different. Military, yeah, different. Like uh, being a teacher on staff is different from being on staff at a church. Is one of course because you're you're everything intertwines. Working church overlap and so relationships overlap for me i went to work to go to work sometimes ministry happened especially as a teacher in the school yep. district but when i left i was gone now church like yep. they were separate. church world there's no separation there's there's no separation and so that is that's hard um it's <laughs> like hey when what what do hangouts look like right do you just come over to the house and right. what is relationship and like we're friends man but i see you all the time during the week so now i gotta see you when we <laughs> hang out <laughs> All right. And and so trying to figure those those things out can yeah. can can be a little difficulty difficult. And right. so so I so there's no way to know when you're bringing someone on. So ways that one of the things that I use and I 
I hope we bring some of those back. But like playing, we used to play games mm-hmm. and have challenges, yeah. and we, we our staff. But is sometimes kinda, people got offended by yeah, that. and some people, and that's the thing. Like yeah. you, you have you have those who are very uh, competitive in a healthy way, which right. like we're not going to get mad at each other. Right. We're, we're competitive. We want to win. But then you have those that eh, I don't like competition at all. Right, and so figuring out things and finding middle grounds and places to where. Uh, everyone is happy can be hard at times yes, too. And it, so creating a culture that that brings in everyone, yeah. is, it's hard. And, and I think it's really a lot of personality here. So for me, one of the things I do that's, I don't know, good, bad, or indifferent uh, is I flatten the hierarchy. Like I, I have a hard time and it's it's weird because I was in the military where the hierarchy was very established. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's part of my like anti-military thing. I don't know. But like I... I have a hard time operating of like, I'm the pastor. You do what you're told. Uh, I don't usually go to those those places. Um, and, and that can be confusing for people. And I'll say, I mean, I'll let you finish. But I will yeah. say that you don't have to flatten the hierarchy. Right. To because you don't you don't have to be that person that says I'm the pastor you do what you told right right but you also don't have to flatten the heart sure. either and 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 I think I think that's where I've 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 had to grow in that yeah. over the years uh, and I think one of the things you sort of recognize whenever you're hiring somebody is that that person is going to help develop you as well and and I think that's mm-hmm. you know does a person have humility enough to be developed but at the same time. Um, I'm looking for things that I really appreciate about this person that even when we have conflict, I can go, no, I really enjoy this part about you that you're, you're, whenever there's conflict, it's the reason there's a rift is that the very strength that you have is also a weakness or it's something that's coming in conflict with something that I have. And I think understanding that part of each other becomes really important. Um, uh, one to know who you're hiring, uh, but at the same time to also know what, what compromises need to be made on a team uh, to to get the most out of people for the good of advancing the kingdom? Yeah, no, it's chemistry. I do believe is important important because you're doing you're in people's personal lives mm-hmm. oftentimes. Yeah, it and and you just you can't if you're if there's a bitterness or there's resentment harbored. Uh, if people get their feelings hurt and it's never addressed, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's part of it too. So if there isn't a good solid chemistry there of of people that can handle like you know joking and kidding and teasing, or it's a very professional environment where we only use the proper language and very appropriate, which is not how we roll here. Uh, uh, then and, you know, but but whatever that is, you just got to know what you're fitting into. And then these are the leaders of the church too. Yeah. These are the people that people are looking at. And mm-hmm. so if if Chris and I don't don't get along and then those that tend to be a little bit closer in proximity to Chris, those mm-hmm. proximity to me, then there's you can naturally have cliques yep. forming from yep. that lack of like joy, uh, harmony, yeah, between the chemistry, yeah, that you're talking about. So I, it, it is important to have chemistry and be on one accord to be under that we both understand the mission yep. of making disciples and how we're gonna do that. And yep. Uh, because then we begin to speak not necessarily the same language. Well, yeah, we're speaking the same language in the sense of when it comes to the gospel. No, I love yeah. Chris. Yeah, do we have problems at times? Sure, we have problems, but he's called me to be here. He's called to be here. We're called to work together. We're called to sharpen each other. And I love what you talked about when you said that we both learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learn from you. You learn from me. And that when you when you are okay with uh, when you believe in that, then mm-hmm. it's we're both growing. So when yeah. you go up, you naturally pull me up. If I go up, I'm pushing you up. Whatever yeah, it looks like, and so. Yeah. Yeah. 
So those that's it. That's it's calling, character, competency, chemistry. Those are the big four C's that we're looking for. And if you have any thoughts on that, please text us uh, at 737-231-0605 or go to pastorpleck.com, leave a voicemail. We'd love to uh, interact with you. Uh, you we talk about more what is I would love to hear maybe questions from a secular perspective or Christian perspective. You're like you're you're looking to jump into ministry and you're like, what's that all about? We can answer all those questions for you here at Pastor Plex Podcast. Uh, but that's gonna wrap up the show for today. Thanks, Pastor Joe, for being here. Love it. And excited to see you for another round of talk uh, next time. So until then, have an awesome week of worship. <laughs>